Hi, it's Macaulay. Just a quick update before we get started. We recorded this episode before the Isle of Man tournament got underway, so we missed out on the surprise first-round random pairing between Fabiano Caruana and Vladimir Kramnik, won by Caruana, which is just worth keeping in mind as you listen. For those of you who have been looking for us to resume a regular weekly schedule after the summer, I'm sorry about that. There are a few reasons why we haven't managed to do so, mostly just to do with scheduling the three of us and setting aside time to put together the show. But we're also casting about for a business model to make the podcast a little more sustainable. So for now, we're going to keep putting out episodes whenever we have a chance. Thanks very much to all of you who've been supporting the show and sending us messages. We really appreciate it. And especially to all those who've subscribed. Subscribing to the podcast is uh, probably the best thing you can do right now to uh, help ensure that we'll be able to continue it in the long term. Once again, you can always reach us at thefeb.com or on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash thefeb. Now on with the show. Hey there. Morning. Afternoon. Afternoon, where are you? <laughs> I'm in my own world, buddy. Oh, well, you always are, so that's okay. <laughs> How's it going, man? Yeah, it's How's all right, it mate. How's it going, man? It's, it's okay, dude. I went to this chess club in London a couple of days ago. I, I heard you've been there, Loss. What, the posh one? The posh one, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not the not the posh, posh place in Mayfair, but the one in... No, the Mayfair one. No, I went to the one in Mayfair, You went yeah. to the bar, the, basically the one that looks like a bar. Um... I don't know. It's in Mayfair. It's called Chess Club, basically. It's where David Howell works sometimes. Because there's one that's got like a nightclub downstairs. Right. And there's one that's actually really posh and sort of a proper establishment. I think it was probably the proper one because yeah. it didn't have a nightclub. And Yeah, if you want a martini or something, that's the place to go, actually. I met Brian Callahan there. So Oh, yeah. Brian was there, was he? Yeah. And Su- Susie. Do you know Susie, the, the press press person from Gibraltar? Of course I do. Yeah, of course. And uh, your name actually when... came up in oh, conversation. So uh, that's always nice. How are they? Yeah, doing well. Yeah, doing well. I mean, basically, I think your name came up. You you were described as very charismatic by both Susie first and then Brian. Wow. You know, potential thing. So I thought, you know, that's, that's... wow. That's a good start <laughs> to my day. This is Levon Aronian. And you're listening to Full English Breakfast. This is episode number 51 of the Full English Breakfast. I'm Macaulay Peterson. On the show today, Simon Lawrence and I discuss the World Cup and the Candidates Tournament that's now set for March of 2018 in Berlin, as well as the ongoing Isle of Man Open, where Simon is the lead commentator and Lawrence is playing. Let's jump right in. My personal view, really, is... I think it's two things to bear in mind. Um, The World Cup is a bit of a lottery. It's only two games. And also, I think people don't realise the gap between the so-called world elite, so the the high 2700s, and the low 2700s, 2600s, I think is really small. I think it's much smaller than people think. So a 20, you know, 2710 or a 2660 beating a 2800 for me is not such a surprise. But I just think the elite people, they play against each other. So maybe even their ratings are a bit inflated somehow. So I think, you know, Carson getting knocked out, obviously he's world champs, bit of a surprise, but not a massive surprise to me. Um... Yeah, I suppose, I, I mean, sorry, that's kind of the, the big topic at the moment is this 
this argument that, you know, when the, the super elites play amongst themselves continuously, they, you know, they're, they're able to kind of maintain a very, very high rating, right? Because they're just playing amongst themselves. But as soon as they do mix in with the, uh, uh, the, the mere mortals that are the 2600 uh, grandmasters, they find out very quickly that it's it's really really not not that easy to beat these guys a lot of the time. Of course, they still beat them most of the time. But we've seen some fantastic performances, haven't we? Some, uh, you know, the likes of Yevgeny Nye. Well, hang, hang on one second, just about the ratings, because I mean, maybe I'm, I don't understand the math, but how can there be inflation if you're just playing amongst these yourselves? I mean, they have to get the points from somewhere. If they were if they were just uh, playing each other, they shouldn't then have inflation. Maybe, maybe it's more keeping their ratings rather than inflating. I mean, if they're only playing each other 20, high 2700s, 2800s, mm. I think, you know, they're, they're just bouncing points off each other. You know, one tournament, one person bounces, the next tournament, someone else. But these, I really think a lot of these 2600s, you know, and like I said, are not that far away from the world's elite. They are, there is a baby one, two percent even. And the problem is, I think the other the other reason that this is happening is that down at the bottom, so you could say lower rated, I think there's deflation, personally. Mm. I think there's a, now there's a lot of lower rated players who are actually underrated. So these guys have to often play these people a little bit, so their ratings are maybe lower than it should be. So maybe not inflation, but I think they, they you know, they're just passing points around at the top. And it'd just be nice. I think it'd be nice to see some other names you know, be given a chance now and again. Um, I mean, I, I suppose an argument to say that they this does happen. I mean, we've seen that Jabava has often, you know, been given a chance sometimes and he's not performed very well. But um, I don't know. It's just nice to see new faces at the top having, having a go now and again. And I think that's one reason the World Cup is so, so exciting. So just to put it, put another spin on it, it could be then not so much that the rating scale itself is, has become distorted at the edges, but just that the World Cup in particular brings out the consequences of, you know, relatively lower probability events um, when you have players that are not really that far apart on an absolute scale. In other words, in two games, anything can happen with someone who's 100 points lower. If these guys played, let's say, 20 games, then we would have an expected score that more closely matches the expected score of their ratings head to head. I think that's precisely one of the. I mean, yeah, maybe you don't agree, Lars. I mean, I'd I'm say not sure, you know, but I, I mean, Gadakamsky no. pointed this out. He he put a post on Facebook, didn't he? I don't know if you guys saw that. Basically, echoing what we're talking about more or less right now. That you know, if the if if the top guys were to play in opens on a consistent basis, um, like. The, the majority of the 2600 plus players do week in week out we would soon see a massive drop overall and there is some truth to that i mean when i think of opens sigh and i think of recent years where top players have played i mean look at vishy back in gibraltar a couple of years ago uh look at gadakamski himself a couple of years ago in gibraltar look at peter lecco over in Isle of Man. You know, what will be really interesting is to see top players competing against 2600s on a more regular basis and really seeing if there's a shift downwards. I actually believe there would be. I don't think they would be able to maintain the kind of ratings they they do, 28, 20, 28, 30, because these guys just know how to play extremely good chess. And in some situations, not only can you not force a win, but you are going to get beat from time to time. We've seen that this tournament. 
Uh, I mean, it's a really interesting topic, but um, World Cup has just been fantastic anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, other, the other thing I think, you know, that needs to be taken into perspective is that the chess at the World Cup, for me, is just so much more fun to watch and exciting than the, the elite events. Because you watch the elite events when they're all playing each other, they all play the same openings, game after game, normally a draw, the odd win here and there. In the World Cup, you know, people are trying some new openings out. You have to take risks with black when you need to win. The shorter time limit, I quite like. I know a lot of people don't like this and they're saying get, a, get away with the blitz. But I think, come on, you've got to make chess accessible, more fun. And it's just so much more exciting to watch this World Cup format, to me, than nearly any other event in the world. And I think that's why it's so popular and knockout events. Maybe we need more of them. Yeah, what you do have is you do have very clear and high stakes in almost every round. Okay, maybe not game one of a two-game classical match, but certainly game two, because you've seen even when someone draws, then they can be eliminated, um, you know, <laughs> unexpectedly. And certainly if there was a win in game one, you've got an all-or-nothing situation uh, developing in, in the thing. And tie breaks are inherently exciting. But even on top of that, there's this extra level of intrigue, which I uh, wrote about um, in an article on Chessbase, uh, which is the candidates' qualification. For many of these players... The World Cup is it. It's their one chance to to try to to grab one of the two available spots. But even for players for whom that's not the case, um, <laughs> the different possible scenarios of who can reach the finals can actually have a dramatic impact on who actually gets qualified from other criteria. Because the way that this that the that FIDE has set this up is that the World Cup. Uh, takes priority in terms of qualification. So if you can qualify in two different routes, let's say via the World Cup and via rating in the case of, uh, well, what was in the case of uh, Kramnik and Caruana at the outset, then that suddenly will open up a spot in one of the other mechanisms for, for qualifying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a massive thing to play for, isn't it? This uh, candidate's place without shadow of a doubt. And I mean, there was the interesting possibility, wasn't there, when, when Magnus was in there, if Magnus had won it, I mean, uh, you know, it kind of, kind of bizarre because obviously he's world champion, and in in a way that's good. That's sort of cleared up a little bit. That you know he 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 can't win it in a way, and it overcomplicates some of the candidate sort of qualification. But um, well, it wasn't as complicated as as I think some people thought, and there was a lot of confusion about this going in. Okay, because yeah, it, it, all that would happen would be that they may or may not have to play a third place match if he reached the finals. But for example, it was never possible that he could play Karyakin in the finals because they were in the same half of the draw. Right. So basically, if if they play in the semifinals, which could have happened, Carlson Karyakin could have played in the semifinals, then you'd simply have had the other semifinals would already be the qualification spots. So of course now. That Carlson and Kraken are both eliminated, it just basically goes back to a normal situation with the World Cup as if they weren't playing. Right. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But that brings me to my last point, because we we had this announcement from World Chess about the location of the candidates tournament in Berlin next March. And there is one other way to reach the candidates tournament, which is the so-called wild card, uh, which is has been an organizer nominee, although um, the meaning of that has sort of changed from when it was something that was essentially a carrot to potential sponsors to get in a, a local player or a player of their choice. Now it's basically just up to 
world chess, as far as I can tell. Maybe the Berlin, uh, the uh, German Chess Federation, or or some kind of local context in Berlin has some input, but it's really not very clear. But there is this spot hanging out there. It can go to anybody who's 27, 25, or above at one of the FIDE rating lists, which is a, a pool of about 33, 34 people probably by the year end. Well, by the way, I'm hoping to be in that list. I'm just putting it out there. Quite a lot of points. My performance over at the Isle of Man <laughs> when I get 10 out of 10. Is it 10 rounds? I think it is. That, that might get you to 2,500. Probably not even. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't even get me to 2,500. You're right. I'm going to need a few tournaments before the end of the year before I make the list. Don't worry. I'll be there. Yeah. So carry on. Well, just just uh, thinking about this a little bit, um, one big question mark that is still yet to be filled in is where will the World Championship match be? Because this was supposed to have been announced months ago, but it hasn't. So here's my my uh, speculation, and 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 I got got to make clear that this is not based on any inside information. I'm basically just okay. making you know making some uh, some educated guesses here. But at least this seems like a plausible scenario. Okay. All right. So we know that uh, St. Louis Chess Club, the Rexingfield and his team, invited a bunch of Fide guys over to be guests recently and uh, and sort of uh, you know had some some casual conversations about something including uh, Macropolis right. all right we know that they have been wanting to host a world championship match for a long time right. okay so part of the delay could be that they're in the running for hosting the world championship match and maybe that gives them some influence about this wildcard spot as well because if you imagine that Caruana qualifies by rating, there's no way for Nakamura to qualify unless he could get a wildcard spot. But then you could have a situation where you have a world championship match hosted in the U.S. The candidates match is going to be in Berlin, but it could have as many as three American players, which would of course be very important for Rex Singfield. Sounds perfectly plausible to me. Interesting, yeah. Let's also be honest, Fabiano and Kramnik, who are playing over at Isle of Man, it's an open tournament, anything can happen. There is a chance that Fabiano as well just drops out of that uh, top two spot for average rating, highest average rating. And my question then is, what do you think would happen then? Do you think Rex would really just sort of up the ante and just say, we need to have at least Fabiano or Hikaru? In the tournament. I think uh, Caruana or, or Nakamura would both be very excellent and appealing choices for a wildcard spot well, if they didn't course. qualify. Um, it makes the, the situation, of course, much more difficult for if if uh, St. Louis did have some uh, influence, it would make it a much more difficult decision about who to, right. to promote. Um, but again, <laughs> that was all speculation. But actually, in Caruana's case, he's still leading in the average ratings. He's also... Uh, still leading or at least actually exactly tied right now with Kramnik. So he's going to maintain his average rating lead um, uh, if in in the status quo. But yeah, at the moment, Caruana still has has the best uh, chance at the rating slot. So here's an interesting scenario. Let's say we get we get over to the Isle of Man. We, you know, Lawrence has a bit of a, a stonking tournament. And, uh, you know, I'd say, you imagine, know, re- imagine re- I were to ruin the chances of one this of these is, guys. This is where it's going to come. You're playing against Fabiano <laughs> in the last round. Yeah. Now, if you beat him, his yeah. rating basically will just plummet, obviously, because yeah. he's lost to you. Yeah. Um, and that means he won't get his place in the candidates. Yeah. You get a winning position against your ex, you know, the guy you were manager for. Um, well. Would yeah. you be happy beating him and knocking him out of the fee day? you know, candidates. 
Well, look, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, and this is a bit, a bit of an unfortunately, unfortunately, having worked with Fabiano, knowing him inside out, I still speak to him on a daily basis, by the way. He is such a stand, stand-up guy, and so, and he's really full of so much integrity that he would basically just say, Do you know what, we're just going to play this game, and if you beat me in that one in whatever shot it is, thousand, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thousand. I was going to say one in two, but okay. Uh, one in a thousand, for argument's sake. And uh, no, that's that's the sort of guy he is. Whereas there are some other characters, perhaps in the world of chess, where were they to play me, might say, you know what, this is going to secure me a nice little payday and potentially a ticket to the world championship finals. Uh, you're my good buddy. Can you do me a favour here and uh, you know? Lose, lose some pieces or perhaps not play at your best or something along those lines. But Fabiano simply isn't like that. If in the most unlikely event that th- this were to happen, we would play and the better man would win. So Or make a draw, which would also not, not be ideal for him. One in 500. But yeah, I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it now. The, the average ratings as they, as, as they stand, Fabiano is 28.07. Wesley So is 2805.6. Yes, and Vladimir Kravnik is 2805.25. So, I mean, it's just so close. One slip up, one major slip up against somebody much lower rated. You know, the problem Fabiano has is that he's, he's got no other way to qualify apart from ratings or that one wildcard spot. And Kravnik also is going to be banking on this. So it's really, really, really interesting. Yeah, Kramnik needs to put some points on the board. It really is going to come down to the nine games played there. And possibly for Kramnik, there could be a couple of games even in in like a European team championship in November. Uh, I'm not really sure what the teams are, but he could get a couple of more games there. And it could be really, really close. Um, and that's, uh, yeah. And, and, and maybe this also, of course, will weigh in on the wildcard decision right. because... You know, if if it's if it's like a fraction of a point separating the average ratings, then that gives makes a pretty yeah, good. Yeah, what happens in that situation? Well, there have to be some rounding. I mean, they got to decide somehow. I'm sure the regulations will specify. I think it goes out to two decimal points. Okay. So I, I don't th- think they need any rounding. Actually, it's just literally the, well, the can, rating can out you, to two decimal. Can points. you imagine you're like, let's say you're Vladimir Kramnik, right? And it's October. Right, the Isle of Man has happened, and let's just say, for argument's sake, though, no matter how unlikely, we're in basically the same situation with Vladimir Kramnik. Wesley So has not won the World Cup; he's not got to the final, right? So he doesn't take a place. So he's now open for another wild card spot. He's open for the rating spot. Fabiana Caruana, of course, in the same boat. And let's assume we are talking now, but in a month's time. So after the Isle of Man, everything sells. Vladimir Kramnik is 0.4 points behind Wesley So with one more rating list to come out. Uh, they're using the December rating list as the last one, right? So he's basically got the whole month of November. Does he risk it by playing European team championships? Or do one of these dark guys do, you know, the other way of setting up a 10-game match against a 2,200-player to put on to put on 12 13 points to your rating
about the Isle of Man very quickly. Yeah. You're going to be commentating yeah. there, Sai. I'm going to be playing. You know, me and Fiona are the joint commentators over there, which is, you know, an honour always to commentate at such a big event. But then to have Magnus Carlsen, the world champion, to come and join in to an open event is always major news. I mean, he's only played, I think he's only played in Qatar in the past um, when he's been world champion, I may be wrong. But now he's coming over to the shores of England, to the Isle of Man, and he's competing in this. And, uh, well, it's, it's fantastic news. I mean, it just shows you this kind of trend recently of the top players playing more more of these Opens. These Opens are now becoming more and more sort of uh, bigger and bigger, aren't they? I mean, you know, thank you for chess.com, we have to say, for, for running this one, because it's a major event. But Magnus playing there, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, I just hope he comes in the commentary room, Loz. Maybe maybe after you beat him, he'll come in the commentary room, Loz, <laughs> and, and talk about his loss to Lawrence Trent. That, yeah, that, I'm, be... sure, <laughs> I'm sure he'll come in after that. Yeah, he'd be delighted yeah. to. <laughs> yes, uh... I, I, I don't want to get the Morris Ashley treatment. But uh, no, I'm only joking. I, Magnus is a lovely guy, really, really lovely guy. And uh, it should, it'd just be great to have him there. I mean, what you know, it just adds so much to a tournament. Press, having him there, just seeing how he gets on. It's just going to be brilliant. Well, the good news as well is that, you know, what I love about this, so I think we might have mentioned it on the on the broadcast, but somebody's dreams are going to come true, potentially, in the first round because the pairings are done at random. Oh, so yeah. you could get a local 1800 <laughs> club player who's entered the tournament, who who plays once a week in this old, <laughs> church, champion. old <laughs> church in the, with a creaky, <laughs> creaky roof over yeah. in the Isle of Man with a cup of <laughs> lukewarm tea is suddenly playing Magnus Carlsen yeah. in the first round, playing the world That's champion. Crazy. I mean, well, By the way, Lawrence, you know when you say it's random, and of course I should yes. know this because I am the commentator. You should know this. That's all right. And um, when, when you say the first round, it's an open tournament, is random. Do you mean like... Can he play the second seed? Is it random like that? Anyone. This is he, the whole point. This is wow. what's going to make it so interesting. So he can they, play MVL, he can play Kramnik in round one. He can do. He can play MVL, <laughs> wow. Kramnik. He can play uh, any, anybody at all. And and the same goes. So I was actually speaking with uh, none other than Laurent Fressinet last night. Oh, the, say that again. I love the way uh, you pronounce Laurent that. Laurent Fressinet. Laurent Fressinet. Very nice. <laughs> he was, uh, we were chatting last night because he, yeah, he's, he's a good buddy of mine. He says, actually, I've just realised I only play tournaments where you're around. I said, well, there's a reason for that. Um, we won't go into the details, you know, but clearly he's got a bit of an, uh, you know. Bit of a thing for you. A bit of a thing for me. You heard and... it here first. <laughs> <laughs> He'll love me saying that. No, but on a serious <laughs> though, so we were just talking, I said, what actually does happen if, like, I don't know what the chances are, but let's just say all the top guys are just paired against each other randomly in the first round right it immediately basically blows the tournament wide open right because you can get a bunch of top guys with zero points after one round and we know how difficult it is to win opens that could happen and then what we could get is you know we could get a you could get all kinds of pairings couldn't you in the first round it'll just be really interesting nine, it is nine rounds it is nine way. rounds just yeah it is now. nine rounds yeah um you could get a whole bunch of different uh, really really interesting pairings in the first round but i i have a feeling that somebody's dreams are going to come true. I'd like to see, you know, imagine a youngster, a 13-year-old, yeah, you know. Well, I'm still rooting for you to play Magnus in the first round. Are you going to, if, if you do play, well, him, yes. is, is he going to give you a rookhead start, do you think? Or, you know, well, I think there's a chance of that, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I think with a bit more time on my clock, I'll be able to convert this time. 
I'll give him a run for his money. Who's who's anybody kidding? Didn't you see me play in Barcelona? I was rock solid. You know. You're a good player, Loz. Yeah, I'll give him a run for you're, his money. You're a good player, but Magnus is Magnus. Magnus. You know, no, no offence. He, yeah. he, he no, is world champion taken, for a reason. Believe me. But if I don't get him in round one, I'll get him in round two, assuming that I get a, a normal pairing. Yeah. yeah. So... Well, it's going to be great. I mean, it's just going to be a great tournament. Absolutely. And, it's um, be real good time. Having a real good time. I made that up. Yeah, that's enough. Thanks. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, why did he decide to play in it at such a late stage? Maybe yeah. it's because... Are you going to be eating the whole show? <laughs> no. I'm having an apple, you know? Very healthy. An apple a day keeps Magnus Carlsen away. <laughs> uh, so, there we go. Uh, 